Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Sports Radio 670 The Score. WSCR in HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. In Odyssey Station. The Crosstown Rivalry is back. It's got a chance. Got win. The Chicago White Sox are winners. A lot of shoving, a lot of yelling. Ah, that's enough of that. BS. And day two of the drama unfolds tonight, live on the score, starting at 6.05. That's a home run. 670 The Score's coverage of the Wintrust Crosstown Series is presented by Xfinity. Supercharge your home with supersonic Wi-Fi. Unbeatable internet, only from Xfinity. See 4 abccom for details. Can your AC handle the heat of the upcoming season? With ABC, buy an AC, get your furnace free. Plus, pay as low as $57 a month and get next day installation. Visit 4abc.com and consider it done. If you're purchasing a new home, refinancing your existing home, securing a VA loan, or reverse mortgage, you need to call Team Hochberg, your trusted local lender. Mark contacted Rocket Loving Lending to refinance his condo. Bad move. Rocket Loving Lending told Mark they couldn't refinance his condo because it wasn't FHA approved. So he called Team Hochberg, which he should have done in the first place. Team Hochberg loan officer Steve Hendrickson got Mark's condo FHA approved, then helped him secure an FHA loan to pay off his credit card debt and saved him over $500 a month. Let's review. Mark contacted Rocket Loving Lending, and they blew him off. Team Hochberg secured an FHA condo approval, paid off Mark's debt with an FHA loan, and saved them over $6,000 a year. Team Hochberg has helped thousands of radio listeners pay off debt with an FHA loan, but we can't help if you don't call 855-56-DAVID or visit 56david.com, 855-563-2843, or visit our website, 56david.com. Homeside Financial, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS, 112-4061. The score celebrates the 24th annual Worldwide Toast to Harry Carey, Thursday, May 12th. How about that? Yes, the score's Parkins and Spiegel show will be there broadcasting live at Harry Carey's Tavern, Navy Pier, 2 to 6. It might be! It could be! 
Led by Toastmasters Ryan Sandberg and Ryan Dempster, raising an ice-cold Budweiser to Harry. Naturally, Budweiser is my favorite, besides the fact that I think it tastes better than any other beer. Along with Dutchie Carey, Ron Kittle, Tom Dore, George Wendt, and others. I'm a Bud man. Plus 100% of all Bud and Bud Light sales from all Harry Carey's restaurants will be donated to World Central Kitchen to help provide fresh meals to displaced Ukrainian families. For more info, go to harrycarries.com and join the Scores Parkins and Spiegel Show for the live toast May 12th at Harry Carey's Tavern Navy Pier to celebrate Harry and help a great cause. Holy cow! Hey, son, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm fine, Pops. <sighs> What's on your mind? I just... I can't explain it. When your kid can't find the language, help them find the lyrics. Listen to the Sound It Out album and get tips and tools to start a conversation at SoundItOutTogether.org. Brought to you by Ad Council and Pivotal Ventures. Hint is pure water infused with surprisingly true fruit flavors, including watermelon, blackberry, and cherry. No sugar, no sweeteners, no calories. Available in your local grocery store or at drinkhint.com. Hint, water with a touch of true fruit flavor. The top of the hour is brought to you by DuckDuckGo, privacy simplified. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The Score! Here's the pitch by Thompson. Ground ball left side, backhanded by Horner. Flips the second for one. Madrigal the first. In time, double play. And Thompson gets the Cubs out of the jam. Yes, he did. Zach Zabin with the call here on 670, the score of Jose Abreu hitting into a double play. Ultimately did not do the Cubs any good because they lose to the White Sox by a final score of 3-1, to one, as heard right here on 670. It's score overnight. I'm Mark Grody, 312-644-6767. That was a actually that was a weird inning. These the Sox fifth inning. The Sox are leading three to nothing. Keegan Thompson lost control or something because he hit Josh Harrison square on the back. And then he hits Tim Anderson on the forearm. And Anderson had homered, so he gave Anderson gave Thompson the stare down, had some words for him as well. I was watching NBC Sports Chicago at the time, and Jason Benetti and Steve Stone right away said that there's no way that Thompson is throwing at Tim Anderson or Josh Harrison in a situation like that, down three and putting the first two men on in the inning on a night where it's really hard to hit and get on base, it would not have made sense. I'm always a little hesitant. They're right. I mean, baseball-wise, it makes total and complete sense. Why would you throw at a guy? But you, you just never know the intent of right. the pitcher. You just never know, right? Well, and he's also the guy that hit uh, McCutcheon, obviously, too, as well. That's right. That's right. And McCutcheon mm-hmm. was not pleased because of the pitch that he used to hit him with. Right. Yeah, we actually had Keegan Thompson actually on a hit and run uh, this past weekend, and uh, he talked about it for like a second. We we asked him if uh, he uh, had talked to McCutcheon since he hit him, and he's like, "No," and I uh, I probably won't. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, "Yeah, that's that's fair." 
Yeah, so Thompson, you know, he, he's got a little bit of that fearlessness yeah. in him. And if he wasn't feeling it, sometimes a guy, you know, instead of walking him, you'll hit him. Um, so I, I don't know. I am not saying that, that Keegan Thompson was throwing at those guys baseball-wise. Again, it would make zero sense for him to be doing that. But I'm always the last person to just say to give a pitcher the benefit of the doubt, to just automatically sure. assume that he's not throwing at them. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. And you never know. I mean, like, you know, Keegan Thompson's a young guy. Maybe, you know, Anderson said something to him when he gave, gave the home run because Thompson was because he hit it off Thompson, I think, right? He came in relief at Ephraim afterwards and, yep, yeah, yep. hit, hit yep. it off Thompson. So maybe he said something or, you know, who knows. But, um, yeah, wasn't great. One thing I will say, I do love when JD, I don't know if you've caught him calling it this, he's been calling Thompson's curveball a snapdragon, and it is yeah, like yes. the funniest thing. <laughs> I put it in Thompson's open when he was on, and he's uh, like, I've never heard anyone ever call it that before. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, neither have I, man. What the heck? But his, I mean, he's he's throwing, oh. it's not a Rowan Wick hammer, but it's, uh, it, it drops off the table, man. That's hilarious, man. Apparently, there was a, a little debate going on tonight on Twitter too. Um, the the when you when you're a kid and you knock on somebody's door and then you run, what do you call that, Sean? Ding dong ditching. Yeah, ding dong ditching is what you call that, and that and that's what Jim Deshays apparently said, but Boog Shambi the Cubs TV play-by-play man had a a different phraseology for it, and I'm actually looking for it right now because I actually forgot what, what he said because I'd never heard it before. And old Parco, Danny Parkins. Oh, yeah, here it is. Um, this is from Parco on Twitter. He says, ring and run? Come on, Boog. I'm with Jim Deshays. It's ding-dong ditch. And there was some debate going on, and I came to the conclusion that it, that the ring and run, that happens with juveniles on the East Coast. We in the Midwest grew up ding-dong ditching people. So I didn't realize that there was more than wow. one way to, to phrase that. And I think that the DDD is better than the, the ring and run, quite frankly, because it's, it's a triple uh, there. It's a ding-dong ditch, not just an R&R. You know, yeah, man. There's a there's a an alliteration there a little bit there with the ding dong ditch ring and run. It, it's there a little bit, but I'm looking at Parkinson's. Uh, See that the, the vote? It's ninety six to three. Holy crap! Ninety six point nine to three point one there. So just so the math nerds don't. In terms of ding dong ditch leading, yeah, ding dong ditch. Okay. has got a uh, nearly ninety seven percent of the vote. Okay, here. and there's about okay. nine hundred votes. So we're, we're, I think we're in the right, but I, also we're obviously all located in the Midwest. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I did not realize this, but I'm glad the Midwesterners came in strong to squash Boog Shambi. Yeah, with. It's that pop outrageous too, not take. soda. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's tournament, not tournament. Come on. Uh, come um, on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, Jim Deshaies got that one right. And what, what was it? The claw master? The the dragon master? What did he? What does he call Keegan Thompson's curveball? I'm going to call what him the it? claw master now. The, oh, my God. The, uh, he called it a snap the dragon. The drop dragon? Oh, the snap dragon. <laughs> the That's pretty dragon. <laughs> 
That's pretty badass. So the Snapdragon. All right, that's I good. like Clawmaster. That's way. That sounds like some like bad guy in He Man or something. <laughs> yeah, that's what Keegan Thompson is. But yeah, the 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 fifth. So yeah, those the first two guys get on in that inning, and Keegan Thompson he got out of it because Pollock ended up. AJ Pollock pops out in the infield. Grandal with a single, but they weren't able to to get a guy home, so they did load the bases. Abreu comes up, he hits into a double play, and there, there you have it. Still three nothing White Sox. Unfortunately for the Cubs' sake, they were not able to take advantage of that. Not able to take advantage of a Jake Berger error in the fourth inning. Just was it was a, one of those nights, man, where. Like I said, I mean, I'm really impressed with Tim Anderson that he was able to to hit a ball out. There was a few balls that were hit hard by the White Sox in the first inning that were knocked down on the warning track in, in center field. There was another hit to – I don't remember who hit it, but it, it was it was pulled to left. Looked like it was going out for sure. Ended up going foul, and that was the play where the fan – whoever the fan was made a great catch out in left oh, field. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That ball looked like it was going out. I don't remember who hit it. I don't remember who was I off, forget but. who hit it, too, but I, I remember seeing that catch. Yeah, there was a lot of balls. I think both teams, I think Cubs left seven bat, or left seven runners on, Sox left six. It was just not a fun night to swing the bat. I can't, Honestly, I thought after the fifth inning they were going to call it. I, I figured yeah. as soon as I saw the Sox go up 3 nothing, I was like, all right, yeah, this will be a fifth inning and it's over. But uh, they played it, which uh, yeah. that had to be miserable. But um, <laughs> It just looked Awful. I don't know if I've ever seen like a game. Li- I mean, there's been plenty. Dude, Look, I mean, the- like the cameras literally were fogged up. There was so much water. Like I saw your tweet. Like you're like, I'm picking the Marquise broadcast right now because I can see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's exactly how I feel. I can't see anything on the NBC broadcast. Uh, yeah. It was just like the, the whole thing. Was, it was just so gray and rainy and it just never stopped. It was like, right. I don't know if, have you ever seen the movie Seven? Yes. Yes. I. Yeah. It, that movie. It literally rains that whole movie. Yes. yes. It's just this dark, horrible, awful feeling the whole time. So like the entire White Sox game, or the entire Cubs White Sox game was just seven. It was just awful. Uh, but there was no box. The yeah. box was was drowned at the ends, and there's no head in the box or anything um, at the end of this particular game. Um, so yeah, there there was much misery throughout Cubs and White Sox tonight and the 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 White Sox win 3 to 1. Let's hear what the the winning manager had to say first. Tony LaRussa on this 3 to 1 win over the Cubs. Well, I don't think I can give enough credit to the two teams. Uh, I know I was watching our team watching I do one one guy that was backing off from competing it was really amazing to see and it was hard out there for hitters when defenders pitchers i mean i just can't give the two teams enough credit for just the way they competed it was i feel somebody's in the top asked in, in the uh, coaching room is that your top five top ten you know tough because it was unrelenting man it never stopped you know it's uh so it was a good win for us but just like i said both teams is there like a lot of respect for the Cubs, the way they went after it, like we did too? Were you surprised that they had to get to play through this weather? No, no. That's where it was going to be. You know, I mean, <laughs> you call the game up and you got to play two of them, no, please. 
No, and actually the, the field held up. It was just, it was really an amazing exhibition by both teams. Kopech didn't go five, but, uh, you know, given the conditions, it seemed like he had a nice, another nice night out there. No, he, I mean, they worked more than one inning, but, you know, give him a chance in the fifth. I, I, I do, I try, I'm not going to push him. I'm going to get him out, but, I mean, that was, that was four innings. That wasn't playing ball. That was work ball. But he, he was, he was, he was impressive. The bullpen was outstanding. There weren't too many hard hit balls, you know, but Anderson must have really gotten, gotten How about that. that one. Yeah. You know, you know, you know they're not, like uh, Frankie was saying, a lot of the hitters, I'm sure they were saying the other side too. And when things just blowing right in your face, so hitting is hard enough. But uh, <laughs> Tim's got some kind of power that way. You've seen, you've seen him do it before. You, uh, you mentioned the defense. How about uh, Jose Bray's feet at first on those two double plays? He showed some pretty good quickness out there getting like the. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a gold glover. I mean, he makes plays like that, and they're instinctive. I mean, he knows. I mean, he touches the base. He's got to throw in a hurry. You know, he had to get the base in a hurry and tag. I mean, it's you don't do that unless you're paying attention and your baseball IQ is off the off the charts. Would well, you say that was a top five game in terms of intensity, Tony? Is that what you said? No, no, for for the difficult conditions. Yeah. No, no, just yeah. for me, I said maybe top ten. Cause I've been around a lot of games. Frankie still's in his top five, but. <laughs> I mean, I've been in a lot of games. <laughs> <laughs> Tony LaRusso right there talking about the White Sox 3-1 win over the Cubs. And Tony had the right tone tonight, man. A lot, lot of credit to the players. Because, like I said, it was just crap. It looked miserable out there. It is not easy to – anybody that's played baseball at any level, and the highest level I ever played was, was high school baseball, you, you know that when you swing a bat in, in cold weather, if you don't sw- swing it just right or have just the right grip, it hurts like hell, and the ball is not carrying. the The ball is wet, so it's hard to grip. It's hard to throw. It's hard to field when the when the field is waterlogged. It's just miserable. It's it's not fun for anybody. It's not fun to watch. It's not fun to play in. So whatever, like they're right to give Tim Anderson a lot of credit. You're right to even even the pitchers, man. Even though I know it's pitching weather. They got to deal with the grip out there. They got to deal with the cold. They got to deal with the rain and the wind and all of that. And Kopech tonight was good. He won four innings, allowed zero runs, four hits, five Ks, two walks, 83 pitches. The Cubs started from behind as far as pitching was concerned tonight because Drew Smiley was out on the bereavement list. So Scott Efros had a start. He goes an inning and a third, allowed two runs on two hits, and then his night was done on to Keegan Thompson, whose night that we've talked about quite a bit. So. That, that you know, Tony was right. No, no errors from Tony in that press conference. Let's hear what David Ross had to say about his team's two-run loss to the White Sox. Yeah, I thought the bullpen did a really nice job. Um, you know, Scotty starting us off. Um, I thought pitched really well. One, one mistake behind him kind of cost us a little bit. You know, uh, but we made a you know overall in the game made a lot of great defensive plays. I thought uh, the bullpen as a whole, um, Keegan. Um, under those conditions, trying to trying to execute pitches, um, Ruck coming in, I thought he pitched really well. Uh, give, I mean the the whole group, right? They they threw really nice, gave us a chance to win. Just couldn't get anything going really offensively. Tough conditions. Uh, they had a couple things go their way early on, and we we were plumb up uphill battle after that. What's that? I was just kind of reading, reacting. 
that double play. Just how difficult of a, of a play is that for a guy going in the hole, running across his body, and being able to start that double play? Yeah, I think the awareness of the runner, right? Knowing Abreu's there, um, really nice job going to, like you said, to his uh, backhand side uh, and getting his body turned, make a nice throw, a nice turn there by Nick. I thought Nick turned some nice double plays today. Nick made some really nice plays, I thought. The ball going up the mi middle, um, jumped back. I thought, you know, other than the one kind of early mistake, we played really nice defensively in some tough conditions and nice plays in the outfield as well. You lost that 13-pitch at-bat in the third. Is that the kind of plate appearance that you envision having him at the top of the order? Um, I mean, no, nah, I just put him at the top of the order. He's swinging the bat really well right now. I think he controls the strike zone really well. I think um, he makes guys come in the zone um, as good as anybody for us right now. And so putting him at the top just seems like a nice calm at bat, um, even there off bummer. Um, you know, that tough lefty. Um, you know, took some borderline pitches, almost worked a walk there, trying to get on base. I think that's the kind of bat that he'll, he should give consistently or that I've seen out of him a lot. Well, that's it. That's it from David Ross, the Cubs manager, regular here on 670 The Score. The, the White Sox beat the Cubs by a final score of 3-1. to one. Sean, let me ask you this. The Cubs are... Nine and fourteen, they're about where I would expect them to be. Yeah, do you do you expect them to to have been better? Are you disappointed? Do you think they've overachieved, underachieved? Where are the Cubs in your mind right now? Yeah, I think they're about where I expect them to be. Um, I've been impressed with the bullpen. I uh, I thought I figured it eventually it would figure itself out, but I didn't think they'd be this good this early. Um, so that's been nice. Hopefully they don't get overused. But um, yeah, I mean. Seiya Suzuki's been awesome, but everything else about this offense just feels like it's it's really dependent on how many how many singles this team can put together in an inning. Uh, they're not going to drive the ball very far, so I don't know. I mean, I've been impressed with the approach. They're really patient at the plate. It's been more interesting to watch these games. Crazy as it is to say, yeah, despite yep. with uh, you know who they lost this past year, but yeah, I mean, the Cubs are doing what I thought they would do. They'll they'll probably. You know, I'd love to see them re-sign Wilson Contreras, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But I uh, I watch this team and I say, okay, like I see pieces for the future at least. And I, I know like guys like Brendan Davis should be coming up here shortly. Yeah. Um, yep. Hopefully he starts figuring things out in Iowa. Um, they've got guys like Caleb Killian. If, if Braylon Marquez can stay healthy, yeah. there's pieces out there that are coming up here that'll be fun to watch as the season goes on. But right now, I mean, like at least I'm enjoying watching Cubs baseball at least. And that was not how I felt last year. I think I'm starting to like Nico Horner, too, actually. He's been a lot of fun. He's been playing really good shortstop. I did not yeah. know. he. I think Sahada Sharma was talking to him, and he's like, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but like, I did not know you had the arm that you did. And he was like, yeah, it's there. And, uh, man, it's crazy. Like, two years ago, we were like, can Nico Horner even play shortstop? Is he a second baseman? And now it's like, okay, thank God we have Nico Horner. Yeah. I mean, he's solid at short, man. He uh, – he started that double play on Jose Abreu, and he had to go deep in the hole for it. I mean, he right. just looks smooth out He's there. had a ton of plays where, like, I mean, everyone says Derek Jeter-esque, but a lot of, like, those, like, to his right jump throws, and he's just, like, nailed Schwindel at first base. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's tight, man. Like, his whole game, you could you could see, like, there's a determination that, that has gone with Nico Horner this right. year. And, you know, he's had some injury problems, like a stumbly start to his career in terms of injuries and yeah. things like that. I mean, he was injured like his first like 
I think it was like his second pro game as a Cub. He hurt yeah. his thumb diving for a ball. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So he really hasn't had time to show what he's capable of. And I think a lot of people sort of like, especially when there was just this flurry for a long time with Cubs prospects that when they came up, they did damage and they contributed. And we know all the names and most of those names aren't here anymore. We came to expect these guys to come in and contribute. Even like, like I remember like when Jamer, Jamer Candelario came up and everybody was excited. Right. He didn't do much, but he did. He was involved in the, in the trade to the Tigers and, you know, he's been fined there, but like there, there has been this expectation and it's slowed down a little bit now to where, you know, Nico Horner is not as prized of a possession prospect wise as some of these other guys. He was talked about a lot. I mean, definitely. Right. Like he he was he got attention. He wasn't unknown. Well, he was the uh he was the first guy in his draft class to make it to the majors. And that was that was entirely because the Cubs didn't have shortstops. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, like some of these other guys that sort of snuck onto the roster last year, like Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom and some of these other guys. But like we've known about Horner, and so there's like higher expectations for him, and then expectations went down, and now I'm just watching what I see instead of thinking about you know that he's the first in his draft class or what he was supposed to be, and we all knew who Nico Horner was. He's looking good right now. He's looking good, and hopefully for the Cubs' sake, that will continue. I've also enjoyed the consistency of Ian Happ, and talk about defense, like – you know, it's his hitting that that really has been the focus, and uh, understandably, and I thought that was really smart what he said with Dan Bernstein that knowing he gets a start every day that actually allows him to think deeper in counts. I mean, that's that's a deep thought actually from from a player that when you could think about okay. If I'm if I'm not if I don't know if I'm going to start tomorrow or the next day, I better pounce on this one-one pitch. I better not be patient. I mean, I shouldn't let it go to one and two or two and two or whatever the case may be. So he's been really smart at the plate, but he's also looking good in in the outfield. He's never been a bad outfielder, but he he he's never been like a plus guy out there either. He looks like a plus guy from the eye test that I've seen of the Happer. This right. Year. He runs really well. He's got uh, good speed. People don't always expect that out of him, but he, he covers a lot of ground. Um, and he's got a surprisingly good glove. Like people were saying, you know, oh, well, it's nice, you know, nice to have D, uh, the DH here. You can let Ian Happ be that switch hitting DH. That's nice. And yeah, that's a great piece. But like Ian Happ's a pretty solid defender. Like you don't have to worry about him in left field. Uh, it's very true. So I, and you know, with 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 happy, just hope that it, it continues and he stays consistent. But he has been, you know, for the record, he's been doing this for a while now. He's been doing it since the All Star break last year. He's been even the loud, the outs are loud, and hopefully it keeps up. And and hopefully, and you know, Suzuki, hopefully he picks it back up again too because he's been struggling a, a bit of late as well. 312-644-6767 is the number if you want to jump in here on Score Overnight. Talking a lot of Cubs and White Sox, a ton of Bears as well, and uh, whatever's on your mind. 312-644-6767. It's Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Grody on Score Overnight on Sports Radio 670, The Score. You know, I'm a little bit biased, but I felt like going into this draft, he was the number one safety um, out there. I knew I've seen a couple of the other guys play, 
But this kid, he complete package, man. He can run, he can cover, he can hit. You know, he got size, so he's not a small kid. I mean, he can do a lot of things, and he's a great leader, and he, he just got a knack for playing football. He, he's like what I call a, just a true football player. Welcome back into Score Overnight. I'm Mark Grody. That was the voice of Anthony Poindexter. He is the safeties coach at Penn State. And so he coached Jaquan Brisker, who is a bear safety now. Second round pick number 48 overall. High hopes for Jaquan Brisker with the Bears. I mean, the hope, the in theory, they would pay him or play him alongside Eddie Jackson, assuming that Eddie Jackson lasts with the Bears. And Ryan, yeah, I don't know, and I'm not trying to start anything up here. You just don't know with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. You don't know what they're thinking. You could start to connect some dots about what they're thinking about things, but there's a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of evaluations that I still don't know about Ryan Poles and how he feels about guys. I mean, there is there really anybody we know slam dunk for sure that he feels good about or that we know he feels bad about? I don't think there's anybody. I mean, we've talked about it a ton of times. It's impossible to get a read on just exactly how he feels about Justin Fields. I mean, there's this neutral feeling that exists with Ryan Poles for just about all of his players right now. So I don't think it's crazy to sit here and say, well, if Eddie Jackson is there. But that would be the that would be ideal to have Jaquan Brisker starting next to Eddie Jackson in the secondary, and hopefully Kyler Gordon, the cornerback out of Washington, could start alongside of Jalen Johnson. I think that that is the absolutely for sure. Well, we, we do know one thing about Ryan Poles. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. They're going to take the North, Mark, with this 10-7 and 7 football team next year. Bears, absolutely. And no, I love that he said, I love stuff like that. <laughs> Me too. I'm such I'm a, a sucker for it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're going to take the North and we're going to give it back. Oh, my God. Yes. I hear you, Ryan Poles. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. From the 845 area code, I was extremely happy with this draft. Um, Ryan Paul's website went from six draft picks up to 11. I know Ryan Poles, obviously, is what he was saying. Um, don't think Ryan Pace would have come that close to doing that. Rob from New York. Well, you're right. However, Ryan Pace was not afraid to trade down at times either. He did end up with three fifth-round picks in 2020. But Ryan Pace's trick was to move up and go for the home run like he did well, I can give you three examples, and two are easy: Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields. But there's two. Uh, there's two guys that he moved into the second round for, and are no longer with the Chicago Bears. One of them, Anthony Miller, who he moved up in the second round to get, and then James Daniels moved up in the second round to get him, and he has gone to the following: the Pittsburgh Steelers. So yeah, but no, he, he, hey, if a good draft means multiplication of players then Ryan Poles crushed it but right now I don't know I know that there's quantity I don't know what the quality is at this point beyond beyond the top two guys beyond Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker 
maybe Valus Jones Jr., the wide receiver out of Tennessee. I mean, there are definitely things about him that I like. But then it's really tough, man. When you get into the offensive linemen, you know, Braxton Jones and Zach Thomas and Doug Kramer and Tyree Carter, it's it's crapshoot. It really is. I mean, there's you know, and people like to use the the phraseology, the lottery picks and things like that. I I again, I sure hope that that's not what Ryan Poles is thinking. Like, oh, I'm just going to draft a bunch of guys, and one of these guys has got to be a starter. Well, no. I hope he sees individual value in each of these players, and it's really hard for even scouts to look at an offensive lineman and say, yeah, that translates to the NFL level. We just don't know. Um, Elijah Hicks, the safety out of Cal, he's a seventh-rounder. Who knows? Hickster thought he should have been drafted higher. Um, the running back, Treston Ebner um, out of Baylor. What's that? I, I have no idea. I mean, it's a pretty deep running back room right now with David Montgomery and I was going to say Kendall Vildor, Khalil Herbert. So it's it's really it's so hard to say that this was a good draft yet. And and some and usually I got a pretty good handle on it or a better opinion I should say. But when there's that many offensive linemen, it's really hard. It's really hard and when you have two players who are both positions of need at cornerback and safety, that I mean that, that's easy. That's easy. Those look like two guys that could be starters. The rest of it is not easy. Even the the edge rusher that they took, Dominique Robinson out of Miami of Ohio, this guy was a wide receiver in high school and at in college and has been converted into a friggin' edge rusher. So who knows? The, all of this can hit, but we're going to find out. And for anybody to say that they have some idea of a lot of these guys and whether or not they're going to be good at the NFL level, I think that they're they, – they don't know. <laughs> I Man, I wanted to swear right there. They don't know. They don't know, and I don't know, and stand by. We're all going to find out eventually. So much for that. That exactly. <laughs> that's what I needed right there. Les knows what to say, man. See, that's why he does that, to stop himself from saying other things. So much for that. That's exactly what I should have said right there. Um, 802 overall, very solid draft for the bears. Grody, we need you on overnight. Great work. Thank you very much. Then I have to say that was a great text. Um, three, one, two, six, 44, 67, 67. Um, can you please talk about David Bodie, where he's been and when he's expected back? Also, what happened with Nick Madrigal? Looks like every time I see him at the plate, he is striking out and barely batting 200. Yeah, the strikeout numbers have been jarring for for Nicky Madrigal. Yeah. They really have. Uncharacteristic. Yeah. Cubs struck out in general 12 times tonight. They've been striking out a, a, a lot lately. The, yeah. You know, Seen some rate, good pitchers, but still not great. Yeah, their rate in general has been pretty good this year. Like, they have not been striking out a ton, but lately they have – and there's no doubt, like, Nick Madrigal has is, is not come out on fire as a Cub as of yet. Uh, but, but we shall see if that happens for him soon. Soon and soon. Um, let's see here. I had a couple of Dave Wanstead texts, but you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to get to those Dave Wanstead text messages. But first, but first, we are going to hear from... Dave Wanstead, because Wani 
was a guest on the Parkins and Spiegel show earlier today on The Score, or yesterday. So let's check them out right here on The Score. Our pick segment this year year should be Parkins versus Parkins versus Spiegel versus Spiegel versus Whitey. He's the only guy who predicted Rams win but don't cover in the Super Bowl. <laughs> he was the only one. <laughs> Truly a remarkable accomplishment for Dave Wanstead's close personal friend. The coach, though, joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hey, Dave. What's up, guys? Do you Let me ask you a question. Do you really think Whitey just sits around up there and does nothing? There's a reason that he picked the Rams, not the cover, and he understood everything going on about the uh, betting world. The guy's, the guy's a real pro. He knows what he's doing. A uh, pro at what? <laughs> yeah, is he a bookmaker? Is he mobbed up? What is he, Dave? Is he a football coach? I mean, what is he, Dave? Fill us in. Oh, you guys are beautiful. I missed you. I, you know what? I was wondering if if anybody was going to call me. I, I've done shows, uh, I won't say where, but all over the place talking draft, and I'm waiting for my, my hometown guys, my family, to give me a call. I'm on with Leroy Butler today up in Milwaukee with, with uh, our station, you know, that's uh, yep. under the same umbrella. And, uh, in fact, I think I have some brats and vodka coming down, Shane, if you're uh, <laughs> interested. Uh, Leroy got his own vodka now and his uh, brats, so I've worked a deal there for us. So I'm out there working for us, and I, I, I just haven't had much love from you guys. So I'm, I'm excited to be back on. Dave, it's Tuesday. The draft just ended this weekend. <laughs> Yesterday was the first day I was back from paternity leave, and uh, we and, had, yeah, we love you, Dave. Yeah, I mean, to make it clear, we want you on the show every single day. <laughs> I thought you were doing something. You're not so doing gonna, anything? I'm, I'm doing a lot. I'm going out to dinner tonight with somebody, and I'm, I'm sipping a Bradshaw bourbon. That's what I'm doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't drink you. anything if it's not free. Damn it. Leroy Butler's well, vodka, uh, Terry know, Bradshaw's Terry, bourbon. I, I just talked to Terry. Terry uh, and I had a good conversation two days ago, so it's uh, everything's good. No, that is true about Leroy, though. He It came up. I didn't realize it. And he said, I'm doing brats, too. I said, we'll take some of those. You know, so I, just, <laughs> you know down to the, in fact, I said, when our boss, Mitch Rosen's up there, wait till I'm in town and uh, we'll make sure you stick a little uh, care package in Mitch's trunk and we'll bring it on down here to us. The fellows in the. We'll, That'd be beautiful. We'll cook, cook it up. Absolutely. Hey, hey coach, you know, I just You're had a. Good man. a I just had um, a, a bottle at the house the other night of uh, Charles Woodson's Intercept Red Wine, his Intercept Cabernet. So this is clearly a thing. We need to gather all of the former football players' <laughs> varieties of, of alcohol and just, you know, put them all in a, in a giant care package for Wani. I like it. Well, I'm, I bring them in. I share them with you guys. I mean, Shane, no, you know, Shane, wonder, Shane, can you cook brats? I'm sure he's Shane. Oh, <laughs> of course I can, Dave. I'll cook anything okay, for okay. you. Okay. Oh, yeah, anything I, for I, don't, I, I don't know. I see that stuff on Twitter. You know, it's uh, mm -hmm. you've really got some talent. Well, here's there. the I thing, mean, Dave. Reaching out goes both ways. You only reach out to me when you need something. I got a I got a call from you the other day. Shane, is it payday? What's going on? I got a call from you. No, today. no, no, no. I get confused. Okay, that's all. I just wanted to know. It seemed like it was six months since since I got a, a mm. check, and so I was just checking to see it was that Friday. Sounds about right. I, was, I was I was Friday. I was bored. I was going to 
play golf or do something, ride my bike. And I said, I think I'll text Shane and say, is today Friday? You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure. Uh, okay, enough of this silliness. What do you oh, want to talk about? Oh, Dave, sure. I suppose we could talk football. What did you think of uh, the Bears draft? You know, in, in all honesty, uh, I liked it from the standpoint of two things. Number one, uh, you know, right off the bat, they, they draft a, a, a good player at a position that there is a dire need. And we've talked about it on the show. You know, I, I always look at the team and you say, well, what position is most important? They're all important. I get that. But you got to have closers on your team. In the National Football League, as we all know, you know, with the games, you know, 70% of them or whatever the stat is being, you know, seven points or less, you need guys that can close out games on offense. You need receivers. You need to have a quarterback on defense. You got to have pass rushers that can get to the quarterback, and you got to have corners. So a corner was a dire need. So I, I like, you know, Gordon will come in here, and hopefully he'll line up opposite of uh, Johnson, and, and we got ourselves two good young corners. So they played at a high level, playing in the Pac-12. You know, they're facing really good competition in a throwing league out there on the West Coast. So I liked the pick. I, I really did. I, I, I thought that was very good. So, yeah, Kyler Gordon committed very few penalties in his college career, did not allow a single touchdown in 18 starts uh, as a corner. Um, I think we all feel real good about that one, feel like that's a first-round talent. Where it divides a little here is, um, is on Brisker, on, on Jaquan Brisker, the safety is a safety worth taking at that spot in the draft when you're a roster as thin as the Bears are? Well, as you guys know, you know, I do some Big Ten work right there in Chicago. So I, I got a chance to see Brisker play. And it's at different points in his career, they actually moved him up at the line of scrimmage and he played like an outside linebacker position for Penn State. Mm. Uh, I've, I've, he's gone out and he's covered wide receivers and he's played the safety position. So, to me, it's a guy that has a lot of flexibility. And the days of the big, strong, physical safeties that just come downhill and stop the run uh, are, are over because of the style of offense that we're seeing now in the NFL, where the ball's coming out quick. It's three receivers, four receivers, five receivers. So, these safeties all of a sudden have to be coverage guys. Um, and then at the same time, they got to be able to come up and make that sure-handed tackle. So, I think... I like the pick. Now, you know, I mean, I'm, it's, it's not a first-round pick. The guy, I think, will come in and play. And when you look at the Bears roster, what do they have, three safeties on the roster right now, you know, that have any kind of playing experience? So, if, if you know, this guy's going to have a chance to be the other safety, I think, with Eddie Johnson or Eddie Jackson. I really do. My issue with it was, Dave, uh, which Speaks alluded to, was, like, the, the positional uh, versatility or, like, or more value, positional value. They have so many holes on the roster, and they have offensive holes, that not using one of those picks to help out Justin Fields, either with a pass catcher or a blocker, six of the next seven picks were offensive players. Four of those six were wide receivers. The four teams that picked those receivers, uh, Patriots, Chiefs, Steelers, Colts, great organizations. Three of the four traded up to take those receivers, so they drafted them with conviction. I just don't think that they are giving Justin Fields much of a shot at being successful this year. That's my concern. Well, I'll tell you what, and that's a legitimate point. For once, you made a legitimate point, a football point. Very good. For once. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit for that. But okay. 
I will, here's here's the other side of that. You know, every one of these draft boards, they have their scouts rate them. And they had to go into this draft saying that we are not going to trade up. We are going to trade down, and we want to get as many picks as we can and see if we can just hit on, on somebody down the road that becomes a player for us. So with that philosophy, they weren't going to trade up. And, let you know, they're scouts, I mean, evaluating. I mean, they got grades on everybody, and obviously they had Brisker graded higher than these other offensive linemen and receiver candidates. So... I cannot dispute that. I mean, I, I get it. They took the highest rated player where there was a need, where there was a need. Now, let me give you the other side of this whole thing. Uh, they're going to help Justin Fields this way, as much by having a, a defensive-minded head coach and having an offensive staff. And you guys know I know half their staff very well. They worked for me or played for me. These guys understand the running game. And, and the best way, in my opinion, to get some young offensive linemen ready to play and to help your offensive line and to obviously help your quarterback is to run the football effectively. And I believe that that's what they're going to do. They haven't done that, you know, since, you know, uh, you know, Matt just didn't believe in it. It was all Matt philosophy. So I'm all in, and I think that's a way that people are going to are going to get a chance to see Justin Fields be a better player without throwing, without having him throw the ball more, if that makes sense. You can run the ball. You can play better defense. Your quarterback doesn't have to take as many chances, and all of a sudden he's a better player. So how are we going to grade Justin Fields? Well, we got to wait. This is going to be a, this is going to be a good year to grade him for this reason. It's, it's going to be a quarterback-friendly offense, in my opinion. Because they're going to run the ball and it's going to be play action pass. And these guys are going to give him a chance to be successful. They're going to play good defense. Uh, you're going to create some turnovers. I think all I see all these things coming. You know, the guy they drafted, the, the Jones kid, Jones Jr., uh, he's a playmaker. Uh, and, but the best thing is with Tariq Cohen not in the picture, he's a return guy. So I think their, their special teams is going to be better this year from a return field position standpoint. No, I'm I'm all in. I, I and this is, um, you know, I know like I'm, I'm I'm talking a little bit like a homer right now, but it, I'm not. <laughs> you guys know that. I'm going to talk like I see it, and I, I like it. And taking those linemen late, if there's one position, and I got to find out. I don't know. I got to get dig more on the offensive line coach of the Bears. But I'll tell you what. You know, you look back. I mean. And I was talking to him two days ago because he's the head coach at St. Francis. You guys remember an offensive lineman that I drafted, uh, Chris, Valer Chris Valerio from uh, Absolutely. IUP. Absolutely. You bet. I took, him in, took him in the fifth round. He played seven years for the Bills. He was a highly sought-after free agent. He played two years for uh, Buffalo after the Bears. I'm sorry, seven years for the Bears, two years for the Bills. And Chris was a fifth-round pick. And he was from, you know, IUP, which is what, Division Two, Division Three. I'm not sure what they are. But, the, but he was a heck of a player, a dominant player. And Tony developed this kid into being a heck of a player. And uh, so that can happen in the offensive line. Mm -hmm. I think at most position for our listeners, if you, you draft a running back, you know, everyone used to say about, oh, God, you got all these running backs, coach. What, how are they going to get better? I, just, I, I don't know if they're going to get better. I just hope they get off the bus on Sunday, Okay. <laughs> That that's the only that's the only problem. I, you know, that's that's how I coach running backs. Make sure they show up and get off the bus. But these offensive linemen, you can develop these guys, 
and uh, you know that's uh, so I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see I'm anxious to see what happens. I, I truly am with these kids because I think somebody one or two of these guys two or three years from now we could be saying, wow, he was a fifth, sixth round pick, just Talk- like. Chris, Talking about Braxton Jones, Zach mm-hmm. Taylor, Doug Kramer, the center from Illinois, Jatir yeah. Carter, these guys. Yeah, they'll be very, really interesting. It's a lot of picks, and they're all real low, so people have trouble with the confidence. You're you're saying some stuff that um, you're saying it better than I was trying to say it yesterday, Coach, about having a simplified offense, a quarterback-friendly offense. Like, there's... You know, yep. Justin Fields um, with fewer attempts, like you're saying, but it doesn't he seem like a guy who doesn't need a highfalutin, fancy schmancy, look how smart I am kind of offensive coordinator to look good? Like put him in, put him in what Minnesota runs, put him in what Tennessee runs, and I think Justin Fields would look great. That might be the kind of opportunity we're seeing here. It, 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 it might be, and. Uh... You know, when Ben Roethlisberger was his best at Pittsburgh with Jerome Bettis and they went to the Super Bowl, that's the offense that they ran. And, you know, and, and Ben's going to have to make some plays and Justin will make some plays. And think about it. The scrambles that Justin made, fourth down and 10 or third and 10, third and eight, third and 15, and he's scrambling around. How about, how about nothing puts more pressure on a defense? And, I, and I've done it a long time, guys. If it's third down and five or third down and four or third and three, are they going to run it? Are they going to throw it? Well, we're going to stop the run, you know, so let's gang up on the run and it's an easy completion. Or, hey, let's play pass. And all of a sudden he tucks the ball and runs forward for four yards. So, you know, it, it will make his life easier and it'll make make his decision making a heck of a lot easier. And I think that's that's a key when you're trying to develop a young quarterback. You want to get confidence. Dave, how excited are you, Whitey, and all your other Pittsburgh peeps that uh, the Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett? Oh man! How about that? I was I was talking to Pat Narduzzi. Oh, 15 minutes ago, he called me. We were talking about Addison, the receiver. You know, that just went. Yeah, into transferring that, out. Yeah, transfer. He got into that uh, portal or whatever you call it, transfer portal. <laughs> Uh, that that is a nightmare for college coaches. Now that, we we could spend a show on that. I got some real opinions of that too. So mark that down, Shane. Shane, you with us? He's mark there. That yeah, down. I'm here, Dave. Okay. He's okay. looking up. Uh, he's looking up recipes <laughs> on how to cook brats. That's what he's looking up. He's got a portal. Mark, mark that down, and we'll we'll have a good discussion of that here once we get going for real. But uh, no, it's uh, that was great for Kenny Pickett, and this, no, no one knows him better than the Steelers. I mean, they eat in the same building, and they practice there and they're seeing them you know during they're seeing them after wins they're seeing them after losses and those are the type of intangible things anybody can watch tape but it's all those uh, you know personality things that when things are good or things are bad that really separate players at the next level and I'm, I'm excited for the Steelers and obviously for Kenny that's a great opportunity for him now the only problem that I have the only problem that I have is I was really, and I'm still looking forward to taking all, I was the Mitch Trubisky fan, the only one in, one of the few in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I was really looking forward to throwing that back in everybody's face in Chicago, you know, (laughs) on this, on your show. Yeah. See, I told you, I told you guys. Now, uh, boy, I don't know. And now we might've been right. Well, no. Now we'll throw it in your face. You know what's going to happen? Now you'll throw it at my face. (laughs) He's going to, 
at a press conference, his neck is going to elongate, his hair is going to turn red, and oh, he's going to say, "He's going to Biggs. say, this is my year. He's going to get his Biggs. Mike Glennon on because the roles oh, are reversed here, Wani. This is my Come year. On. This is my year. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, but Kenny Pickett, I mean, he's he's he, you know he's Steel City tough. I mean, and he's an athlete. He's he's a lot like Mitch from the standpoint athletically and arm strength and all that. So it's going to be a battle. We'll, we will see what happens. So this is my year. Two Mitches. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mitch Trubisky, you know, Kenny yeah, Pickett. They don't want that. They don't want that. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> All right, Dave, go back to your bourbon. Thank you. Hey, for- I, I got a question for you. Yeah. Who do you guys like in the Derby? You got, you got any good horses for the Derby? <laughs> not that I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm heading to the Keys. Tony Wise is flying in here uh, the day after tomorrow, and mm-hmm. we're loading up in the car. We're heading down to the Keys. We got a little we, – we get a little uh, – we're going to try to duplicate that uh, – Inner, inner circle, as we call it. Troy's coming in. North Turner's coming in. Uh, Butch Davis is coming down. We got we got the inner circle of the Cowboys getting together at Jimmy's place for a few days. And, wow. And we're going to watch the Derby. I need a horse. I need something to win. What do you guys got? I, I don't have anything for you now, but I will, I'll, get, I'll get one for you and, uh, and text it your way. I, okay. I, I, I like knowing that Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman might be betting on the, the horse picks that we give you. I like that. <laughs> That's fun. I was not, when last time we were at Jimmy's place, we were, we were, God, it was 10 o'clock in the morning and we were in his little game room and he had the horses on from somewhere. You know how they have them just running daily? Yep. Yeah, all yeah, over the sure. Country? Hourly, yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah the simulcast. And, and, and yeah. we're standing there. We're standing there. It's about 1030 in the morning in Miami and we're having a Heineken. We're in our bathing suits, sunglasses. And uh, Jimmy starts saying, Come on, come on, number five, come on. I says, what are you doing? He says, I, you know, I, I'm I'm pulling for this number five. I got I I I, I like that horse. I, I I like that horse for some reasons. I got got a little bit of action on that horse. I says, how would you even know that this race is on now? Because they're on every day. He says, you just got to get on there and you got to be ahead of it. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah he, bet, he, bet, he bets horses all the time. That, that, that's how so, it works. To make, to make a long story short, we will be watching the Derby. Got, gotcha. Right, I want pictures. Can we? Can we get pictures? We love the pictures. I love. Uh, I love seeing Tony Wise walking around and picking up all the old bottles and cans like yeah, a good tell, offensive line coach. Tell Aikman <laughs> to take his shirt off. Flex. Let us see yeah. those eight pack and let's let's Tony, recreate the boat you know shot. Spigs, you hit it. Tony is in charge of keeping the the, bo- the floor of the boat clean of empty beer cans. I know. That's exactly what he does. That's because you guys <laughs> took him everywhere as the O-line coach. <laughs> He's paying it back. It's a beautiful thing. Tony, no, no, end, it, end it. Tony, we made a mess. Clean this thing up. Okay, Shane, we're going to end it, okay? I was You've Tony. Had enough, Shane? Was... Shane's had enough. I hear him. No, I end it, end it. No, that's it's, it's Tony's voice. That's what we have, what we use oh. for Tony's voice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I end it, end it. Yeah. Tony was at Notre Dame two, uh, three weeks ago. What was the guy? The line coach uh, helped me out. Harry Heastand. Harry Heastand. Tony was up there, and he was standing on the sideline, and, and they were practicing in spring practice. And uh, all of a sudden, Harry said, Tony, take the left side of the line. And Tony started screaming, get your hands on the line. Let's go. Give, <laughs> and started <laughs> coaching. He was in jeans and, and an overcoat. And he just started coaching the left tackle at Notre Dame. I don't know what. 
Hell of a life. It is. Hey, <laughs> once, a co- once a coach, always a coach. I wonder if he uh, walked uh, behind Harry Eastand and picked up some old cans and bottles. You know? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Harry's walking behind Tony. Ah. Tony's the godfather of offensive line coach. There it is. There it is. As the ice clinks in the glass. Dave, it's good to hear from you as always. We'll be in touch about the Derby. Send pictures. We'll talk soon. All right, didn't mean to bother you guys. Oh, we no, love it. Never. 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 You kidding? Dang. We always didn't mean one. to bother you. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> Once you start up. The former Bears head coach Dave Wanstead, now score guy. Once you start up Wani, you can't stop him, man. If he's going to be on your show, just expect that there will be many endings to the segment. That was Dave Wanstead on the score yesterday with Parkins and Spiegel. Coming up in the 3 o'clock hour, we got a lot to discuss. We've been talking about Cubs and Sox. I want to hear from you at 312-644-6767. How do you This is the Cubs Sox series check-in. How do you feel about your team? The White Sox beat the Cubs yesterday 3 to 1, a game you heard right here on 670 the score. We will also have a grabber box score featuring a past Cubs Sox game which I will randomly pick out um, during this break. And there's also somebody who took very much took exception to a comparison I made of Dave Wanstead, who was just on the score. So it's all coming up next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.